Hello, this is your fertility pharmacist. This podcast is for women who are trying to overcome infertility. If you keep a pulse on late-breaking fertility research, it could positively alter the course of your fertility journey like it has for me. Hi, I'm Elise, your fertility pharmacist. Since this is now the 17th podcast episode, I thought it was worth doing a brief recap to share what this podcast is all about. During what was a very difficult time in my own fertility journey, I read a study that had just come out. The results in that study proved very relevant to my fertility situation, and using the information within that study helped me move from having terrible quality eggs to having eggs that create zygotes. Because that study made such a huge difference for me, I've continued to read a ton of fertility research every week. From all of that reading, each week I try to select one article that I believe could be useful to helping others who are on a fertility journey too. This week, there is finally a nutrition study worth discussing. It was just published online a few weeks ago in the medical journal Fertility and Sterility. The title of their article was Dietary Patterns and Ovarian Reserve Among Women Attending a Fertility Clinic. It's a study that aims to find out if a woman's reproductive potential is associated with her diet. The main authors of this study are female scientists affiliated with Harvard. Here are the two main reasons I liked this study. First, the study was very age-inclusive. I've read so many fertility studies that cut women off who are in their mid-30s or older. The study, on the other hand, included women ages 18 to 45 who were seeking help at a fertility clinic in Boston. Since women are still trying to conceive in their 30s and their 40s, I'm very glad they were included too. Second, I like this study because it was examining a woman's diet as a whole versus just one ingredient here and another ingredient there. If science says that eating fish boosts fertility due to omega-3s, is a woman just supposed to eat fish until she gets pregnant? I hope not. This was, in fact, the first published study to examine how diet as a whole impacts ovarian reserve. Three diets considered as supportive for pregnancy were scrutinized in the study. All three of these diets have been shown to be helpful towards fertility in previous studies. The first diet, which has the most name recognition, is the Mediterranean diet. In this study, authors described the Mediterranean diet as consuming high amounts of whole grains, vegetables, fish, and legumes, consuming low amounts of red meat and poultry, using olive oil daily to cook, and drinking less than 300 milliliters of alcohol a day. That translates to less than three glasses of wine. The second of the three diets was the fertility diet. A book came out about this diet in 2007, but like me, you also might not be super familiar with it. This diet consists of consuming high amounts of high-fat dairy products, carbs that are high in fiber yet low in glycemic index, more vegetable protein than animal protein, consuming more monounsaturated fat than trans fat, and taking a multivitamin and iron every day. Last but not least, the third diet was the pro-fertility diet. Last year, the pro-fertility diet was found to have a lower likelihood of pregnancy loss in women who follow the diet closely. On this pro-fertility diet, women are supposed to consume whole grains, dairy, soy foods, seafood over other meats, minimal pesticide-sprayed produce, an increased intake of folic acid, vitamin B12, and vitamin D. They said supplements are okay here. By the way, all of these diet details are up on the website at www.yourfertilitypharmacist.com. After selecting those three diets as being worthy of assessment, the authors next asked women attending the fertility clinic to fill out a scientifically validated questionnaire. This questionnaire asked about food, 
drink, and supplement use in the past year. Based on the food and drink responses, the scores were matched to see how closely they fit into one of the three diets. Women who responded by saying that they ate implausible amounts of calories, like under 500 calories a day or over 3,500 calories a day, were excluded from moving forward with the study. After eliminating nine women whose responses were doubtable, the women moved into the part of the study that looked at ovarian reserve. There are a handful of ways that doctors try to understand a woman's baseline potential to conceive, and one of the main ways is doing an antral follicle count. In case you're wondering what an antral follicle is, it's a small sac within an ovary that contains an immature egg. Inside of both ovaries, there are typically several antral follicles holding eggs, but just one of those eggs gets released during ovulation each month. Looking at how many follicles are holding eggs helps to predict how well a woman will respond to fertility treatments. The lower the number of antral follicles counted, the less likely a woman will do well if her ovaries are hyperstimulated with meds to produce multiple eggs. If you still would like more information about antral follicle counts, I'm putting more up on the website. Let's move into results. 363 women wound up participating in this study. The average age in this study wound up being 35, with most women being between 32 and 38 years old. Most women had a BMI between 21 and 26, which is normal to slightly overweight. 84% of women were Caucasian, had never smoked, and had at least one college degree. After looking at age, total caloric intake, and nutritional patterns, the authors did not find any association between antral follicle count and any of the diets they tested. They tried to find a meaningful difference in subgroups, thinking maybe that the alcohol consumption had something to do with the results. But they still didn't find a difference in follicles between women who closely followed one of these diets and women who did not. They found trends, but the trends were in very small numbers of women and in very specific subsets, so the authors weren't very excited about them. Since no meaningful information was collected from the study, the authors spent a huge chunk of their paper speculating about what this lack of results could mean. They admitted that the study had a couple of weaknesses. One weakness was that they had only tested antral follicle count and not any of the other markers of ovarian reserve. They also recognized that the questionnaire the women filled out has limits. People can incorrectly recall information about the past, which is called recall bias, and this could have changed the results. Lastly, the authors recognized that maybe they didn't capture the correct period of time to test dietary patterns in ovarian reserve. They had chosen a one-year nutritional time frame, but maybe they should have looked earlier in a woman's life. Maybe having a healthy diet from an early age helps to improve ovarian reserve. Maybe. We don't know that because this study hasn't been conducted. So even though this study did not lead to any strong conclusions, it lays the framework for future studies to tweak this one and find more useful information. I'm glad this study included women in their 30s, like myself, but it wouldn't be reasonable to change from one of these diets to another based just on this study. That concludes today's episode. If you like what you're hearing, please feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to reach out at yourfertilitypharmacist.com. This is Your Fertility Pharmacist. Thanks for tuning in.